Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this, the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And with me today is my new colleague here at 360 Insights, Jen Dole. Welcome, Jen. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me here today, Brent. Absolutely. Um, it's the least that I could do. Um, so you've joined us as director and principal analyst covering uh, specifically talent management, and I'm thrilled to have you uh, on our team. This is a I mean, this is a real um, good, good catch for us, to be honest with you. Um, and you and I, you know, we know each other from Cornerstone. Um, and that was great. We met at the, um, I think we met at the, the anniversary celebration. It, was it Palm Spring? Yeah, we were at the airport in LA when we bumped into each other. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that was one of the coolest days of my life, to be honest with you. Um, what, can, maybe you could share with, uh, share with the audience, you know, some of your background. Um, I know you have a lot of great ideas. Yeah, um, so super excited to join 360 Insights. It really represents kind of the second pivot of my career. And I've been working for about 30 years. The first third was in talent management as a practitioner here in the Boston area, working for Fortune 500s like Liberty Mutual and BJ's Wholesale Club. And my job changed using technology. I went from being an administrator to being a strategic advisor because I wasn't focused on collecting data anymore. The technology was doing that. So the way that I ran performance and succession and internal mobility changed. I drank the Kool-Aid. I wanted to go be part of um, an HR tech vendor. And so I pivoted my career, went into customer success at Cornerstone, and, and then moved over to Fuel50 for the last couple of years, um, helping them um, grow their organization through customer retention. And it's just been a great journey. And I'm, I'm so privileged now to be able to use the skills that I have in yet another adventure as an industry analyst at 360. And, you know, last week at HR Tech, there was such a warm welcome from everyone that we met. And it's just, it's an exciting time to be in this space. It, it sure is. And, um, and I'll just echo that. It was a really warm welcome from everybody at HR Technology Conference. And, and um, you and I, we've talked about this offline a little bit. It's great. It's really, it's really great to be in real life, IRL, you know, and face to face, F2F. I think I, 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 I had IRL and F2F in the same sentence in a couple of emails recently with uh, some of the folks that we work with. Um, and, 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 you know, I want to, just go back. I, I know that we have some things that, so you and I, we, we've talked about this and we have some things we want to share with the audience in terms of our, our takeaways and what was our reaction in terms of HR Technology Conference, because there's a lot going on. We got a chance to walk the expo floor, um, a few things swat away, a few, a few flies, uh, maybe we'll get that story in uh, somehow. No <laughs> flies today, no flies no, today. Right. Well, you know, it's funny in my, my, my basement office, it's a finished basement, but in uh, sometimes there are quite a few flies and I do spend in the first 15 minutes killing them <laughs> but maybe tmi for audience 
Brenda's killing flies first thing in the morning. But um, in any event, you mentioned something that I want to kind of get in. It's a great segue. You mentioned that when you when you got technology, when you were able to really um, uh, leverage technology in your as a practitioner, you found yourself um, suddenly able to be strategic um, mm-hmm. as an your 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 role as an your charter as an HR person suddenly and drastically changed. Was, I mean, that's night and day from administrative person to strategic person. Um, and there's a lot of that going on in the industry right now. Maybe you can share just, just a little bit deeper dive in terms of what did, give us an example of what that looked like maybe. Yeah, so um, I was responsible for uh, succession planning and it would take weeks to send out an Excel spreadsheet to meet with the business leaders, to collect the information in a format that we needed and make sure that it was complete before we did our analysis. It was weeks and it was painful and nobody wanted to spend time doing it, but it was mandated. And when we brought in technology and we used it to collect the data and bring some insights, my conversations changed with the business leaders. Mm -hmm. It went from fill out this form to let's have a conversation around these high potentials and what types of experiences that they need to be able to continue to grow in their career and contribute to our organization. It, It was night and day. That doesn't, that's a really good example. One thing that stuck out to me is, you know, it was almost, and I think about, uh, you know, design, functionality design for some of these uh, solutions, right? Hey, fill out this form. I mean, that's, that's, you're, you're hobbled right from the get-go when you're entering a conversation with a business leader with that question, right? As opposed to, you know, getting that out of the way and getting into those deeper conversations that that to me that said it all in in what you described right there that that that's my yeah i mean going to business leaders with insights about their business that are data driven i was really lucky to do that 20 years ago <laughs> yeah i know i'm thinking about you know how far we've come in terms of technology and and sort of the conversation the attitudes around what hr should be um And I guess this really is a good segue. Um, We have a little game that we want to play here. Um, And, uh, and so let's, let's just, let's dive right into it. What are some of the words and phrases that, that, that we heard a lot (laughs) last week at HR Technology Conference? Because it was definitely different than before, but what were some of the, what are some of the words we heard a lot and phrases? I mean, more than once or twice in every conversation was the word intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's kind of, you know, that's a word that, uh, that a lot of the AI based uh, vendors have sort of um, um, uh, sort of, you know, they've taken to, uh, to describe what they do. And I think, I think it's a really good uh, explanation and it's certainly, uh, certainly a little bit more descriptive and readily accessible to folks than, than the actual term AI, which we also heard a lot last week. Yes, we did hear that a lot. Yeah. Package that with data, right. And Mm -hmm. these data-driven decisions. 
data going back to, um, you know, your examples and even from 20 years ago, um, having data at your disposal is, uh, is really transformative for the HR, for the HR role. Um, FOMO we heard, which is uh, for, for the um, non-millennials and, and Gen Zs around there. We're, we're Gen X, I think, but uh, we're, we're kind of hip. So we know that FOMO means fear of missing out. That's one we heard a lot of. Yeah, and I think that was really in kind of describing the buyer, right? Mm -hmm. So much of the, the HR technology has been for the early adopters, some of these really innovative ideas. Mm -hmm. And now they're talking about how it's changed to the customer having a fear of missing out in getting this technology and this process and this innovation into their workplace. Yeah, there's sort of a, <clears throat> if you think about it, there's this sort of just... It's this overarching just feeling that we're that we're stepping into the future of work every day now, and there's this whole entire you know cornucopia of uh, of possibilities out there, and yeah, nobody wants to miss out on that, and it's certainly a compelling um, argument to to get your administrative uh, sort of you know old style HR stuff under control so you can be strategic. Yep. Yep. Um, another thing I heard from a lot of people was that the vendors are eating their own dog food, drinking their own champagne, eating their own chocolate, however <laughs> it goes to describe it. But they're they're learning a lot by using the technology within their organizations. So they're both the provider and the customer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is. You know, first of all, right off the bat, if 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 I'm if I'm looking at a vendor, if they use their own solution, then they have automatically just earned so many brownie points with me. You know, that's this to me. That is, you know, and not every vendor can use their own solution necessarily. They might be on something else, and it might be just an issue of getting the old plate, the old thing off, um, getting rid of the old thing to to use their own. So we, we get it, but, but whenever they're using their own solution, it means a lot. And, and to me, it almost fits into this whole idea that, you know, a lot of the vendors in HR, they, the uh, vendor uh, vendors of HR technology, they, they talk a lot about blending um, their, their, their consumer brand and their employer brand. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, we had a conversation recently with uh, one of the players in this space, um, I solved. It was actually one of the HR Tech Chat episodes. Uh, we spoke with the VP of uh, Marketing, and um, and she has strategy meetings every single day with their chief people officer. And they and I uh, don't quote me on this, everyone out there in the ether, but um, I do believe they use their own solution. But uh, they very much consider their employer brand and their consumer brand one and the same. And I think that's really interesting in this space um, because a lot of Employers, they, they look to the vendor as sort of the, the, the ideal of the employer culture that they themselves can be um, if they use, if they kind of, uh, if they incorporate the best practices and, um, and approaches that, that the vendor does. So I think that's interesting. And when you can use your own solution as that vendor, it just, it kind of solidifies and, and um, amplifies, I think amplifies is the right word, that, that, that confluence of the, of the two brands. Yeah, I think one of the best stories we heard was from the chief marketing officer at Vizier. 
and how by using their own technology, it's really changed his conversation with the HR business partner in terms of the insights about talent that they're bringing to him Mm. and to help help build the capabilities of the marketing organization. I I thought it was a great story. It was a great story. And um, uh, what was also great uh, about that conversation is we we learned that he was from New Hampshire. And you and I, we were joking uh, that I always go to these events uh, fully expecting not to meet anybody else from New Hampshire. Um, And this fellow is from New Hampshire. So I went went to UNH where I went to school. And so that was kind of a funny um, kind of tangent as well. But, But you know, the thing about data is that I think that what he said was that his VP of HR was presenting is has been presenting him with information uh, that he didn't realize that um, that he pleasantly surprised uh, didn't know that he should be paying attention to. So it's made him better in his role, which is really interesting. And if you think about HR becoming strategic, right? It's it's almost it, on one level it feels like this huge lift, this uh, almost um, uh, daunting task. But on the other hand. Um, if you can just get a solution in place that produces and uh, presents you with real-time, readily accessible data, then just draw on that and present that to your leadership. And it'll it'll almost happen for uh, on its own for you to become strategic, right? Yeah, it's about keeping the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We heard about um, we heard uh, about empathy. We heard a lot about that last week, right? Yeah, balanced with efficiency. Like people are not just looking for efficient solutions anymore. They're going beyond that, looking for ways to help their people, their people leaders be more empathetic in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You and I have had some conversations uh, internally here around the idea, the ideas, excuse me, of efficiency and empathy. And, um, and it's really interesting. I love I, that. That was a turn. That was sort of a, a duality that you that you came up with, which was a nice sort of evolution from what we've been talking about for a while, concrete and abstract HR or HCM. Some of this concrete stuff being um, are being based around efficiencies, right? finding uh, reductions in labor expenditure, like minimizing that administrative load through automation or through complex automation with machine learning and this kind of stuff, right? But at some point you need to be as an HCM uh, or HR practitioner, you need to be focused on, on the empathy or the abstract stuff, like building an employer culture, you know, being, having, being influential in terms of the employee experience uh, contributing to a strong, positive employee sentiment, right? All this stuff that that calls draws on completely different uh, skill sets than being a good administrator, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 what's really cool is that just like just like every process in HCM really is concrete and abstract at the same time. In my opinion, you can't have empathy without efficiency. Mm. I mean, because you think about it, right? If you're if you're focused, it's really about emancipating the HR, the HR leader, and the HR practitioner, right? You're mired in in administration. You're trying to get out of that to be something bigger, to be maybe what you went into HR for, right? When it, you you had this vision, you wanted you're a people person. 
you're sort of a chief people officer, sort of uh, minded type of person, even if you aren't actually the chief people officer. But if you're dealing with all this inefficiency, there's no room for you to be empathetic, right? And yet, and, and yeah. you know, and so what's interesting in terms of some of the terms that we didn't hear as much uh, during the show last week was that, in my opinion, we're kind of, we've crossed the Rubicon, you know? I don't think we're really, I don't think we're ever gonna go back to, well, let me put it differently. Um, and I'm curious what your opinion is here. Um, I think we've solved for automation. There are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, employers that themselves in every you know, instance, they haven't solved for automation, but the state of the art of technology today in HCM um, has solved for automation for most of, um, of uh, the HR processes that are out there. So if you have a good deployment of technology, then you know it's it's no longer a, the the yearning or the the quest of of our market space is no longer uh, resting uh, uh, on this on this notion of well we need to we need to uh, improve automation. We've we've kind of gotten there. Yeah, I mean we didn't hear a lot about automation at all at HR Tech. No, at all. <laughs> I mean it was yeah it was, I I don't I don't even know if I heard it once. Yeah, I think, you know, people are just expecting it now. Mm -hmm. It's perfunctory, right? I mean, I even had this conversation with, um, uh, what was, who was it? PlanSource, which is a benefits-focused benefits um, point solution, right? <clears throat> and in the past, you know, just looking back and where I've been previously, what I've heard the vendors talking about, it's a lot about, you know, making open enrollment, um, you know, a, a manageable process. It's, if, if there's anything outside of payroll that can potentially be just a real, um, just a, you know, snake pit <laughs> of administration and like too much to do and just overwhelming its benefits, uh, open enrollment, right? Um, but that has been solved for a long yeah. time. Not every single employer has a solution in place but 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 that stuff is out there and in, what was really interesting is that plan source they they um refer to themselves as a uh, benefits engagement platform mm. isn't that interesting that is interesting and it, it makes me think about the the shift now for moving away from just an automation focus and going to this efficiency and empathy it's really about how people and technology work together to deliver on the outcomes. It's, it's not about replacing people anymore. You agree? You know, I totally agree. And in fact, um, I was speaking with uh, another benefits related platform uh, yesterday. I, I might be mispronouncing their name, Naya. But but they talked about this this idea that that technology is not replacing people. It's uh, mm. anything. It's you know it's it's just I, you know this is uh, not the you know the the sexiest word, but <laughs> I I call it prosthetics, right? For for people, you know, it kind of helps extend our our uh, capability to be more human. Yes. Yeah. 
Because you think about AI in the space, right? That's kind of, um, I don't remember where I heard this. Day. I wish I could remember it, but I, I don't remember the percentage either. <laughs> so, this, so this stat I'm about to share will, uh, is going to be watered down a bit, but but I think it has some uh, impact anyway. This idea that um, HR folks, you know, if you'd asked them, say, 10 years ago, if they were afraid of AI possibly replacing them, there was sort of just a an amorphous kind of, you know, fear of it, right? And they said, yeah, well, I'm worried about AI replacing replacing people. You know, you got the, you know, uh, Skynet and, you know, Terminator and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but more, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I had to work Skynet into this, but, um, <laughs> but, but more, uh, um, uh, more recently, it's almost like they're, they want AI, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to AI making my job easier. Yeah, I think it circles back to that whole idea of intelligence was such a key theme um, this past week. And you think about, and that reminds me, uh, intelligence, you know, that's one of the things, a lot of the AI players, they're referring to, to themselves as an intelligence platform, providing intelligence, this sort of thing. And, you know, just from my perch, I would, I would, first of all, I would say intelligence is, is great messaging. I love that. It's, it's getting away from artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence, it has a buzz that's great, but also can be detrimental. It can be sort of take away from your messaging, right? So AI is sort of the overarching messaging right that the entire industry can kind of get under that air cover right but talking about as it as intelligence kind of translates the conversations to something else which is much more um uh, as as much more colorful i think which is great but i would challenge those those vendors to take it even a step further and say okay what does intelligence mean what are the outcomes mm -hmm. of intelligence? and you know the conversation shifted from vendors coming to us talking about their features and their functions to really talking about the, the big impact that they're having on the problems in organizations. Mm. That's right. We didn't really hear anybody talking about feature functionality. It might have been like something here or there if it was really, it was truly novel and innovative. And, 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 and I would say as a as a blanket statement, right? If you have new functionality that truly is novel and innovative, and it's going to it's going to really um, uh, it's going to resonate with your with your total addressable market, then sure, you know, highlight that, right? But it's it's the conversation is shifting in terms of why people are going to these various vendors for solutions. I, I think I'm. You're making me think of all these things, right? So here's another thing, right? There's, um, there will always be an up and coming crop of small businesses that need to say, need to solve for efficiency, solve for concrete HCM, right? They, yeah. they, they have accidental HR people, right? That maybe the founder or somebody else who came on very early and they're dealing with this stuff because they have to, because if they don't, they're going to get in trouble with the law. Or something. Yeah, it's a ticket to the game. Yeah, it, yeah, oh yeah, it's a ticket to the game, and and so they're at this point where they they definitely are focused on just you know they're crying uncle like you know I gotta 
fix this so that I can focus on my business, right? And so it's almost, so you see this duality where they see HR as the efficiency thing and they see the business as, you know, all the innovation and all of that. And what I think they don't necessarily um, grasp and, and, and I would, if I were in that situation, if I were in some parallel reality where I were living that, that life, I wouldn't be thinking of this either. So I just want the audience to be kind of, you know, I'm not up here high and mighty saying, you know, they're not thinking about the do, sort of the, um, the, uh, the, the togetherness of that, the, uh, the mutuality of that, right? When you solve for administration, you can become more strategic. You, you, you free yourself up for time. And so what's really interesting about those companies is that, you know, small businesses, they, they are interested in hearing about automation and all that kind of stuff. And so that's, I guess that's a word of caution to the space is that, you know, be, be um, mm -hmm. cognizant of those smaller companies that are up and coming that you can might be able to resonate with by approaching them with, with a, with a more conventional or traditional message. Right. But, but the other piece of it is that uh, don't be afraid to introduce them to the empathy, to the abstract HCM, to the possibilities, right? Because that's exactly the time when, a, when that's the best time for any organization to embrace that. You don't want to be in a situation where you're, you're like a, now you're a three, 5,000 employee company and you just looked at HCM as this HR as this cost center to contain the whole time. And now it's like this big, cultural transformation you need to undergo in, toward, in order to become, you know, fully realized. Yeah, we had that conversation with Mike at Eightfold. That's Remember, right. I called it a battleship and he's like, no, it's an oil tanker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how big is, you know, it's, it's an oil rig. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, like how do you, move? if you're a small company, you can, you move pretty quickly. I'm sorry to be so animated today, like uh, physically, but, you know, you're, if you're a large organization, that's absolutely right. You can't move it that quickly. You can sort of, it's more of a suggestion to move the organist to pivot. And when you get larger, as opposed to when you're small, you can pivot uh, pretty, um, pretty aggressively and quickly. Yeah. And in my experience, the smaller organizations are maybe creating something for the first time. Mm. So you can get in there and help them to create the future versus the larger organizations that have already had some practices. It is that, that change, that shift. And it, it takes time and intention. You're absolutely right about that. And, and, and you know, thinking about it, as long as we're on this, right? Um, when you're a larger organization, um, so I would put them in maybe two camps, and this might be too simplistic, but some of them, they get it. They are, they are kind of, you know, they do understand that HCM is strategic, and, and that's great. And some of them don't yet. And so uh, with the ones that don't yet, you know, there might be sort of the, the germ of a, of, a, of a realization that we need to make a change. Some, or maybe it's been festering for a while. And, and somebody says, well, you know, we got to change the technology, right? Maybe the technology that they have in place is just, isn't that great? They want the next best thing or the new, the new stuff. Maybe they're hobbled with some sort of an old deployment or whatever. And it's really interesting in those situations because, you know, the none of this happens in a vacuum, right? You know, you change, you'd go through a digital transformation 
um, you almost can't help but go through an HR transformation if you're going through a digital transformation. Um, but you got to also make sure that you don't have too much resistance internally, culturally to an HR transformation, lest your digital transformation end up, you know, not having the impact that you wanted it to. Brent, how did we get through this conversation so far without talking about the employee experience? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're right. right? <laughs> my bad. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it is the, the center. It is the uh, gravitational force for everything right now. It sure is. And, you know, I think everyone is is looking for that human centric uh, design of process for the employee experience. Mm -hmm. And there are just some really cool ways that companies are, are aligning the individual and the organizational new definition of success. Yeah, absolutely. There is a new definition of success. And that's something that you've been uh, sort of harping on for a while now. And, and, and I totally agree. And, and I would just add that if you're an organization that thinks that, um, well, you know, we're, we have the power and um, uh, or maybe, maybe you're not necessarily thinking that explicitly, but maybe you, you don't even realize you're thinking that, right. You kind of are just, thinking you're maybe in this mode where you think things are going to kind of come back or whatever. And it is not, it is not. Yeah. If you are an organization, you're expecting the, the, the individual to, to recalibrate their, uh, their definition of success to revert back to the old sort of definition. Um, you're, you are going to struggle no matter, you know, uh, this side of complete economic implosion globally, which I guess is possible, but. Yeah, I mean, the best example to, to highlight that struggle is in the companies that are mandating a return to office. Oh, I know. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? <laughs> and why are they micromanaging attendance in the office? It's weird. It's weird. You know, I read uh, some, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's in one of our reports. Oh, it was in the return to work report, um, that, uh, that we published in January of this year, but there was, they did some, uh, some research where this sort of this, um, this chimera, if you will, of, uh, of, uh, you know, you know, impromptu, uh, spontaneous, innovation that happens from, you know, just being in proximity physically to each other in an office. Uh, most of it is, most of it is a, uh, is a myth. Mm -hmm. It's a myth. It is a myth. You know, we've all been in, uh, we've all been in, uh, in-person office environments where, you know, that uh, there's just, there's a ton of anecdotal evidence out there in the ether. I'm sure of it, that just puts the lie to it. You know, uh, I've, personally have been found uh, to have, I've, I've experienced much more gratifying sort of um, collaborative innovation um, working from home Yeah. Uh, with the technology we have now. We're on Zoom today, for instance, right? You know, that's, to me, that's just, uh, I, there is no compelling yeah. rationale. You know, culture is not the workspace. 
culture yeah. is, is how we come together as people and collaborate and tell our stories and, and achieve our outcomes. And you can do that from anywhere. You're absolutely correct. Culture is not a place that that's a great, that's a great thing. You know, one thing that struck me, um, right. Reminded me, I wanted to bring it up during this conversation and this is a nice segue. It seems like, you know, collectively, um, that that's always a wishy-washy term and I'm sorry I used it, but collectively (laughs) it feels like the industry and maybe, maybe just in general, the business, um, the, the business, um, uh, the world of business, um, we've reached this point where everybody kind of realizes at a, at, at a weird, deeper level now, what was always true. And that is organizations are people too, right? <laughs> you know, yes. I, I like to call it like the, the sentient organization. Like, you know, this, there's, we've reached that point where we realize, oh, wait a minute. The business is not, maybe it's a better way of putting it, businesses are people too. Um, the business is not just a bunch of numbers on the GL, right? Or, you know, the, the, the next uh, quarter's profits or, or revenue targets or whatever. Those are all important. But everything, every, literally everything, n- there's not one single thing that does not go back to people, right? And we finally reached that point where we're looking at ourselves as businesses as comprising people we wouldn't have a business no matter what business you are you wouldn't have one without your people yeah and we're talking about people experience it's about creating experiences for people to be successful that's right their their idea of success along with the organization achieving their idea of success can the two live together well, they, they, I would say that, um, that, that uh, ultimately they're, they, they're one in the same, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, this is, we're talking about people technology. If we're getting back to, you know, and in fact, there's some organizations, they're, they're renaming the HR departments and to something else like people success and whatever. And I, I see that as a great sort of leap forward, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, not getting rid of the idea of HR, but calling it what it really should be called, right. And creating the conditions for your people to be as, as satisfied as possible. And they're with their working with their, yeah, their experience, their work, their working experience, their experience on the job so that they can uh, be, that they'll be most apt to devote discretionary effort right to to the betterment to the um to the betterment of the organization because they see their own their own um their own um a stake in it right this gets into all these terms like quiet quitting and all this stuff if you have a problem with quiet quitting at your organization sure there's always there's always going to be a certain sort of subset of people that are just kind of underperformers, you know, or they, you know, they have other problems. They kind of worry. Maybe they should go see their therapists, but <laughs> any event, right. Uh, for the rest of the organization, most people want to contribute. And so you got to create the conditions where they're going to be um, inspired. Yeah. And so we heard this from um, John at BetterWorks talking about the, Um, the focus on the employee experience is actually changing 
the manager experience. Mm -hmm. And and how can we enable managers to shift their way to be that internal coach, to drive those conversations that help people be successful? How do you have that more kind of performance feed forward? Is that a, is that right? Performance performance feed forward. I don't know what I said. But <laughs> I yeah, like it. You it's know, it's not about feedback anymore, right? It's yeah. it's really about like how can I share some insight and observation with you so that going forward, you're able to contribute. It's, it's about encouragement. Not yeah. Feedback, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, giving managers the tools to be to be people too, instead of managers, to be leaders, right? And, um, and, and also, you know, honestly putting in place some measures to understand, you know, which of your people are the best potential leaders versus, you know, managers just by default or whatever, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot going on there. We had a great conversation with John over at BetterWorks and I'd be remiss without saying that, that um, the people success department I was thinking about is that actually at unit four where Mike Edling is uh, CEO yeah. and we had some great conversations around culture uh, and all that too. You know that 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 employee experience is just it's it's absolutely central. It's um it's the people experience. Um, if your people experience is at your inside your organization, is um if it's if it's struggling, then you're going to be struggling as an organization. And um, uh, I'm looking at the time here, but but I just want to say that. I wonder if it even should be called employee experience anymore. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's employee. Well, we had, there's a narrowly defined, narrow definition of something called well-being. And there are, there are, organ, there are vendors that, that um, address employee well-being. And that's a great definition. But I wonder if the entire employee experience is, is really about employee well-being. I think maybe that's a topic for another. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Maybe that's our next. And by the way, we want everybody to know here that we're going to be doing conversations like this, Jen and I, on a regular basis. And so um, if anyone, anyone has suggestions, uh, feel free to ping the organization. But, um, but in the meantime, maybe that is the next, the next topic. You know, what's, what's the next term uh, from play experience? Because maybe we're ready. Yes. Are we ready for that? Corinne, this has been a lot of fun. Again, I'm just so excited to be part of 360 Insights and, you know, storytelling around how customers are achieving success with these innovations and technology. It's just, it's a really cool place to be. Well, thank you. It's, it's exciting. And we're so pleased to have you with us. And, um, and uh, we just, we can't wait to do all this and just expand and expand and uh, talk to as many users as possible and learn, learn what they're experiencing and tell their stories. Yeah, let's get started. All right. <laughs> have a good day, Jen. Thanks, you too.